You're listening to the Being Dad Podcast, episode 34. This week on the show, I'll give you a quick update on how things are going at home with my five-month-old daughter, plus a review of some of the most popular posts on the beingdad.me website over the past couple weeks. Also, there's a Tech Time segment this week with a few goodies for you, so stay tuned for that on the Being Dad podcast next. Thanks for joining me this week, everyone. My name is Stephen Beattie, and this is the companion podcast for the BeingDad.me website, which is your daily source of dad-related information, entertainment, articles, podcasts, and more. Check it out today at BeingDad.me. There's new articles and content on there every day, and uh, if you're interested in submitting a guest article to the site, just send me off an email to Stephen at BeingDad.me. My contact information, though, is there on the uh, website as well. This podcast is sponsored by Audible.com, which is your only source for audiobook purchases. If you want to get a free audiobook, What you can do is sign up for a 30-day trial membership to audible.com by going to the URL audibletrial.com slash beingdad, and uh, you can sign up for a free 30-day trial, and with that, you get a free audiobook, and you can uh, get a new release, uh, and there's, well thousands of, of audiobooks on there um, and you can get your free audiobook and then if you want you can even cancel the membership before the end of the 30-day trial so it's uh, you know it's really a, a no-lose situation if you're looking for a free audiobook so check that out at audibletrial.com slash being dad well my daughter Natalie is doing pretty good and uh, I'm doing pretty good as a, as a dad as well to a five-month-old. Uh, she's really moving along in her development and it's been a lot of fun watching her sort of grow and um, and increase her interaction with us. She's starting to get her balance a bit more together and when we sort of prop her up in a sitting position uh, on the couch or you know on the bed with some pillows, uh, she can sort of keep herself in that seated position uh, for a minute or so before she slowly starts to uh, topple over and uh, and get a mouthful of uh, you know bed sheets or couch. <laughs> she doesn't seem to mind though and once she's fallen forward onto her face she just keeps working at it. She tries to get her arms out from uh, being pinned underneath her and gets herself onto her uh, onto her belly and uh, you know she starts kicking her legs and it doesn't really look like it'll be much longer before she uh, figures out how to how to crawl which is which is pretty exciting. She's also got a couple teeth in there now. Uh, her two lower front teeth are in and they are real real sharp little buggers. I got to say, you got to be careful when sticking your finger in there now. And uh, I'm, I'm surprised really that they don't cause problems with the breastfeeding. But I guess the, the suck motion is different than uh, her chewing on a toy uh, or my finger or, or that kind of thing. Other than that, we're just plugging along another few weeks and we'll be starting her on some solid food, which should be a lot of fun, hopefully. Definitely a big developmental milestone there, so we're looking forward to that. A little nervous about it, though, so, uh, you know, I guess I should refresh my knowledge on infant choking first aid, but uh, we'll be starting her on her first uh, uh, solid foods, I guess, uh, well, in another another few weeks, and I think we're going to start with some sweet potato. That's that's the rumor in the house anyway. So stay tuned for that. I'll probably write some articles or do a, a future podcast about starting your kid on solid food. So uh, keep it tuned into the podcast and the website for that. (music) 
published on the podcast a review of the top stories from the beingdad.me website over the past couple weeks. First up, 20 essential links for dads. If you're wondering where you can go online to get some great dad information to make you laugh, encourage you, inform you, make you feel like you were part of a larger community, I put together a list of some of my favorite websites. And this is by no means uh, an all-inclusive list. There are uh, really dozens of, of great websites and blogs out there uh, for dads online. So I just threw together a list of 20 that has some of my favorite uh, blogs and resource websites, uh, social networks for dads like wearethedads.com, uh, some of my favorite blogs such as DIY Father, Dad's Adventure, uh, Clever Father, blogger father, really, how to be a dad. There's dozens of them. Uh, and I also put some uh, uh, resources on there where you can uh, find some curated content on dad-related information like uh, alltop.com has a dad section with dozens and dozens of, of updated blogs. Uh, so check that out. Uh, I also mentioned some podcasts like the superdadshow.com, uh, which is a great weekly podcast by a couple of dads. Uh, I, I actually interviewed one of the uh, hosts of that podcast uh, a few podcast episodes ago. So the 20 essential links for dads, it's there on the website. And I, I also put together a slideshow uh, PowerPoint um, or keynote uh, on the slideshare.net website, so you can check that out there, and that's also on the beingdad.me site as well. Also popular on the website this week, Laura Berg from My Smart Hands. She's the founder of the baby signing uh, company My Smart Hands. Has a new book out. It's called the Baby Signing Bible. It was released on September fourth. 2012, and you can pick it up at all your major uh, retailers like Amazon.com, of course. The book features 400 signs. It's the most comprehensive, user-friendly handbook for parents who want to enhance communication with any child through American Sign Language. Uh, Laura Berg is one of the world's go-to experts on baby signing, and uh, the Baby Signing Bible makes her extensive research and easy-to-follow instructions available to all parents. Uh, as confirmed by the American Academy of Pediatrics, infant sign language is a boom uh, for enhancing communication between parents and babies and helping to forge an important bond early in the child's life. I, uh, I interviewed uh, Laura Burke from My Smart Hands in episode 23 of the Being Dad podcast. So if you'd like to hear more about her story, her background, and her experience, uh, by all means, you can check that out. And uh, of course, have a look for her book called The Baby Signing Bible. And uh, if you go to mysmarthands.com, you can see all the links there that you need to buy that book and learn all you like about it. Now, if you're an expectant dad or a new dad and you're in the market to purchase a stroller, uh, there's an article on beingdad.me in the learning section uh, about what to think about when you're buying a stroller. And uh, it's been divided up into five different stroller categories, uh, lightweight strollers, standard strollers, jogging strollers travel systems, and finally, multiple seat strollers. And uh, the article does a little blurb about the uh, five different types of strollers. Basically, to sum up, though, lightweight strollers are uh, sort of those small, under 20-pound, easy-to-transport and store strollers that are great for moving your kid around in uh, you know, a shopping center down the street. 
Not always so good for newborns, though, as you can't put a car seat in there. They often uh, climb, so the, the child should be able to hold up their head on their own before using one of those strollers. Standard strollers are very popular. They are larger and heavier than the lightweight strollers. And, um, they, of course, they have more bells and whistles like cup holders and storage areas, adjustable handles. They do take up more room when they're folded and then put in the trunk of the car. A little bit more costly to purchase, but um, they're great for, uh, well, really for young kids uh, from newborns uh, up to toddlers. And uh, th that's the standard stroller. Jogging strollers, those are those uh, usually three-wheeled, well, three large-wheel strollers that you see. They're great for different types of terrain, um, going off-road onto dirt trails, gravel, grass. And, um, of course, they're designed for parents to jog with uh, with the stroller. Um, so they're sort of designed for that purpose. And there's lots of different makers out there for jogging strollers. Um, they can be uh, a little bit more expensive. They do have really sturdy frames, though. Uh, therefore, they might not fold as flat as a standard stroller. Travel systems are standard strollers or jogging strollers that you can mount an infant car seat on to the stroller so you can use these uh, uh strollers really sent from the in uh, from the kid's birth uh and all the way up once they outgrow the car seat you just don't use it with the stroller and it just becomes your regular old standard or jogging stroller multiple seat strollers are, are just what you think they're uh standard uh, or even jogging strollers that uh, have uh, room for more than one kid. You can get two or three seats in these multiple seat strollers. Uh, Michelle and I, we have a jogging stroller. It's by the uh, the brand Phil and Ted's, and it's a Vibe 2 model. Uh, I did put a picture and a description about it uh, up on uh, on the website, but uh, we do love this stroller. We're both uh, joggers and, and love being in the outdoors and having the option to comfortably wheel the stroller over grass or, or dirt trails is great. And the, the three large wheels really make that easy. It, now, this particular stroller, it also has a second seat option where you can mount a second seat onto the back of the stroller and therefore you can cart around two kids. And it has an adapter so we can use it as a travel system and put uh, uh, our car seat uh, into the stroller just uh, for the for the newborn for the newborn child it's really great works well for me as i'm tall and uh, you know i discuss a bit about this on the website but sometimes if i'm running my my shins will hit the back of the stroller if i have the second seat adapter on there and uh, i wouldn't mind the the handles being a little bit taller i'm i'm, I'm 6 foot 5 so um it, it It'd be nice to have the the handles a little bit longer, but it's not too bad, and it, it does work fairly well for us. My wife's five foot nine, and she has no issues at all, really, with the stroller. So it'd be worth a look. Uh, these strollers aren't cheap, though. They're definitely up around five hundred bucks. So um, you know, you, uh, it, it's important though to really get one that works well for you in your particular situation, because when you think about it, you're going to be using this stroller almost every day uh, for the first you know, couple years of the kid's life. And uh, you want to make sure that you're comfortable with it and uh, it's not driving you bonkers over the next year or two. If you spank your child, does that mean you're a poor parent? The editor-in-chief 
from the Canadian Medical Association Journal. His name is John Fletcher. He wrote an editorial in the journal this week, uh, the first week of September 2012, where he discusses the uh, Section 43 of the Criminal Code of Canada, also known as the Spanking Law, which basically gives parents the right to uh, choose spanking as a form of discipline without it well, basically being against the law, uh, if it's obviously not cruel and unusual punishment, uh, spanking can be used legally as a form of discipline in this country. John Fletcher, the editor-in-chief in his editorial, he says, and I'm quoting, it's time for Canada to remove this excuse for poor parenting from the statute book. He goes on to say, to have a specific code excusing parents is to suggest that assault by a parent is a normal and accepted part of bringing up children. It is not. While Section 43 stands, it's a constant excuse for parents to cling to an ineffective method of child discipline when better approaches are available, unquote. This uh, section has been in the criminal code for, uh, obviously, for, for decades and decades. It was last revisited by the Canadian Supreme Court in 2004 when they ruled to maintain the section of the criminal code. Uh, I imagine articles like this are, are likely to raise more debate about spanking in general as a, as a form of discipline, and uh, I'm not really against it or for it. Personally, I, I don't plan on spanking my children, but uh, that's my choice, and everyone has their own choices. Um, even the, though the removal of this section of the criminal code would make spanking by parents, I guess, illegal, but the, the police still have uh, the, cho- the choice to determine when an, uh, an assault is trivial. You know, I mean, obviously there's a difference between spanking your kid for discipline uh, um, and physical uh, abuse of a, a child. I, well, I guess. I mean, that's uh, where where's the line, I guess. It's, it's an interesting question and an interesting debate. And uh, if you have any comments on that, I'd love to hear them. So shoot me off an email. On August 27th, 2012, the American Academy of Pediatrics released uh, released a new policy statement on male newborn circumcision. And they suggest that uh, male uh, circumcision, the benefits of it seem to outweigh the risks of the procedure itself, such as infection and bleeding. And therefore, the American Academy of Pediatrics uh, feel that it should be covered by health insurance in the United States. Uh, Here's a quote from this particular policy statement. Male circumcision is a common procedure generally performed during the newborn period in the United States. In 2007, the American Academy of Pediatrics formed a multidisciplinary task force of AAP members and other stakeholders to evaluate the recent evidence on male circumcision and update the Academy's 1999 recommendations in this area. Evaluation of current evidence indicates that the health benefits of newborn male circumcision outweigh the risks, and that the procedure's benefits justify access to this procedure for families who choose it. Specific benefits identified include prevention of urinary tract infections, penile cancer, and transmission of some sexually transmitted infections, including HIV. And, uh, unquote, that's, uh, like I said, that's from this new policy statement from the American Academy of Pediatrics. Um, 
they go on to state that the decision to circumcise or not obviously is ultimately up to the parents and the parents should make their decisions uh, based on medically accurate and non-biased information about circumcision and they should weigh this medical information in the context of their own religious, ethical, and cultural beliefs. Um, my only thought on this is that I hope the American Academy of Pediatrics is 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 preventing this information in a in a non biased manner. Um, I don't know. I always get a little skeptical when I'm being uh, told that something is is beneficial for for me or my family by uh, a group that might be benefiting from it um, financially. If if I were to choose to go with the procedure, male newborn circumcision. I mean, it really is a complex topic. We all know that. Um, you might remember that recently, earlier in 2012, a court in Germany banned the routine circumcision of newborn boys, stating that uh, involuntary religious circumcision should be made illegal because it could inflict serious bodily harm on people who have not consented to it. Um, so there you go. Um, I'm not against circumcision, and I've had a, a daughter, so it's not something I've had to uh, deal with at this point, but it is something that I gave a lot of thought to, uh, when Michelle was pregnant, we did not know the gender of the baby. So I did wonder, um, well, uh, quite a bit. And I did a lot of reading on the topic about whether I, we would want to go with circumcision or not, or what my feelings were. But in the post on the beingdad.me, there's a couple articles that were referenced, um, from CNN.com. One, uh, is entitled "Why I Decided to Circumcise My Sons," and the other is entitled "Why I Didn't Circumcise My Son." And uh, it's interesting uh, stories from parents on uh, the circumcision decision. So check that out at uh, at beingdad.me. Now on the podcast, it's time for tech time. First up this week, an app to help little kids learn how to count. It is called the Little Digits app, and it's for the iPad. And uh, basically, it works by displaying number characters and uh, detecting how many fingers your child puts down on the screen. Uh, and they, it's, it's really a simple app. It, it's perfect for kids that are starting to learn their numbers, suitable from children, according to the app developer, uh, from three years old. It's available in the App Store for $1.99. And uh, it just helps the kids to learn uh, their counting from 1 to 10 uh, through little interactive um, activities on the touch iPad screen. So it's really cool. Um, I will have links to all these Tech Time articles in the show notes on the website at beingdadpodcast.com slash 34. So check that out, the Little Digits app. If you have an iPad but you don't want your young child playing with the iPad, this might be another lower cost option for you, the Boogie Board. It's $29.95 at amazon.com. And what it is, it's a tablet-like drawing surface. It's an LCD writing surface that uh, the kids can use their fingers or a stylus to write and draw and play on the right on the screen. It has very variable stroke weights. What that means is the writing surface is pressure sensitive. So it displays a different thickness of line based on the amount of pressure the child is applying. So it's great for drawing and sketching and that kind of thing. It's simple to use. It doesn't require any software or any other complex uh, actions. You simply apply, apply pressure with your finger or your stylus and draw away. So the kids can use this. It's fun to use for them, and uh, it keeps their hands off of your iPad if you don't want them using the iPad. 
Next up on Tech Time, the Tiny Tap app is by a developer called 27DV. This is available now in the Apple App Store, coming soon to the Android, and it is free. Basically, this app is used for parents uh, so that they can design their own interactive games that their kids can then use on the tablet. How it works is, first you add a series of your own personal photos to the app, and you can upload them right from the camera roll there, like, uh, as an example, a family picture. And then for each of the pictures, you can record an audio question like Circle Daddy. And uh, the child will then hear that when they're playing the game. They'll hear your voice come out of the uh, uh, tablet, say Circle Daddy. And then the kid using their finger on the touch screen will Circle Daddy in the picture. And once that they do that, they get lots of uh, uh, feedback and, you know, musical interactive graphics and uh, it, it's it's quite nice actually um, i used this app myself and gave it a try and uh, by all means check it out there are a couple um, little games sort of preloaded on there so you can use it right out of the box but it really becomes fun when you add your own interactive uh, games with your own pictures and your own voice recording on there and it's free you can't really beat that now, if you have grandparents that are far away and um, you want them to be able to keep in touch with your younger child, you can use an app called Double Scoop. Um, and what it does is it helps to connect kids with grandparents is uh, sort of what the uh, developer of this app uh, says. But really, I mean, you could use it for any uh, family members that live a distance away and it's a fun way for your your younger child to stay in touch with them it's a mobile app for iphone ipad ipod touch it can be used on a pc computer or a mac and it allows your kids and your loved ones to stay in contact in their own little safe online environment the app developer states that kids as young as three can use the app and it has a very simple intuitive easy-to-use interface. All that's required to set up the app is for both uh, parties, like uh, Grandma and you, <laughs> to download the, the app, which is free, by the way. And uh, you set up each other as contacts through the use of a username, password, and an email verification process. So once the contacts are all set up, a back-and-forth exchange can then occur between your child and Grandma or whoever you have chosen as a contact. Uh, the kids and the family members can exchange text, uh, photos, audio recordings, even drawings. And there are no ads. There's no in-app purchases that your your kid could click into. And, you know, they're not going to be uh, bombarded with spam or anything like that. And I also downloaded this app and uh, tried it out for myself. And um, it was pretty, pretty easy and straightforward to do and to use once you had the contacts set up. Obviously, Natalie is too young <laughs> to use this right now at five months old, but I, I could see, uh, you know, a three or four or five-year-old or, you know, even uh, um, an older kid, 10, 11, using this with uh, with success. And finally, on Tech Time this week, Toddler Lock for Android smartphones. It's a cool little Android app to entertain your kids while preventing them from accessing other apps or programs on your uh, on your phone. So you know, no more unwanted calls to nine one one. The app helps helps to teach 
your kids about colors and shapes as they interact with, uh, uh, you know, a very interactive, colorful user interface. It has uh, many thousands of downloads in the Google Play Store with a rating of 4.6 out of 5. And um, it really is uh, just a fun little uh, free way for your kids to play with your Android device without getting into other programs on your phone. That's the end of the Being Dad podcast for this week. Thanks for tuning in. And of course, head on over to beingdad.me and get your daily dose of dad content there. Let me know what you think of the site. The preceding podcast was recorded on September 6th, 2012.